Before we begin this week's broadcast, please be aware this podcast contains sensitive subject matter regarding mental health and suicide. If you think this may cause some distress, please consider not listening any further. If you or anyone you know is going through tough times, see the episode show notes for links to organisations that offer professional help. Hi guys and welcome to the Dedicate Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Ivey. Today I chat to well-known nutritionist, Claire Turnbull. Claire is a New Zealand registered nutritionist with a passion for psychology and over 18 years experience. She is a published author with two best-selling books, the owner and director of the private nutrition practice and workplace wellness company, Mission Nutrition, and she regularly features on Breakfast TV, Fair Go, Seven Sharp and News Talk ZB. Claire is also a mother of two and a keen outdoorswoman. We are also super excited to be able to call Claire our dedicated nutritionist. Today Claire shares her life story which includes eating disorders and how this led her to do what she does today. She also shares seriously valuable information on the psychology of nutrition that will help so many. Hi, oh, how are you? Hi, I'm all good, I'm all good. Oh my God, this is all very serious. And how are you feeling? There doesn't seem to be any sign of COVID <coughs> in your voice or a wee bit maybe? No, I'm, I'm like, when I have my cup of tea this morning, I'm like, I feel like I can't taste it. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, not, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in denial. I'm hoping. I mean, I'm not dying today. I'm, I, I couldn't get out of bed this morning, but I'm just hoping. I was going to say. I could have it actually. I, I actually could easily have it and maybe it's not that bad. Hopefully. It's one of those things that you just don't know. I'm I'm still battling. So you can probably tell from my voice. Yeah. It's the it's the brain thing, isn't it, really? That's what most people have been saying is that actually you feel like you just I mean I know that only too well with my brain stuff. Yeah. Your brain doesn't work, you can't you can't yes. you, you think something it doesn't come out your mouth, which is Yes, what? actually, yeah. So today will be interesting. And and that's I think linked with the fatigue and stuff because you just just bug it. Yeah. 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 Brain not um, working. Anyway, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm all good. I'm all right today. I've just been discussing with my mum the pros and cons of moving to Queenstown. So, Oh, exciting. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I hope you do. Be cool. Yeah. But if you did, you'd still be spending a bit of time in um, Auckland. I'd yeah. be going back um, there. Yes, that's right. We'll see. We'll see. So today, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing like your whole story. Um, and it's actually phenomenal because, you know, I know a bit about it, but phenomenal how many people in the health and fitness industry, I mean, most have had some sort of disordered eating, but how many have actually had eating disorders is yeah. Phenomenal. So two, so we've got eight trainers on our team Yeah, and three of them have. Yeah, Whoops. really. It is really, really common. And the weird thing is that actually when you go to university, you have to sign something that says, um, you know, please sign here that you have not got any disordered eating in your background. But I mean, I think at, at the end of the day, when you when you go and do any kind of study uh, in anything, there's always a personal interest that actually sparks that off. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, with you and your fitness, you know, there's 
something that happens that makes you think this is a real interest to me and um you know in the food space obviously people that have either had a, a struggle themselves so you do find a lot of people in the nutrition industry that have um had you know got a parent or they have celiac disease or they've got an allergy or an intolerance like that's incredibly common so pip who works with us at mission nutrition she's got celiac disease you know that's led her path down the the um the road of nutrition yeah and um jess is in the is a professional netball player so she's got a special interest in sport you know so Mm -hmm. she did professional sport and then oh hang on you need to eat when you're doing sport and then that's kind of all kind of um wriggled around that way but obviously you know yeah the interest in food that comes from having a dysfunctional uh relationship with food um definitely as you can see spurs people on to to study and learn more yeah no it's i mean that's a real positive side to it isn't it so tell us about your journey take us back even let's start with your childhood yeah so um i grew up with um my mum was always on a diet and i mean always on a diet right like she went on the cabbage soup diet I I went to Weight Watchers with her uh, every single week as a little girl I remember going and and watching the the, what I call the scales of shame right you're like you have to stand up in front of everybody else get weighed like public shaming horrific and then like your numbers being put up on a whiteboard of um and I remember this I, I was probably only five or six um and you know that was really normal but then dieting was trendy dieting mm-hmm. was normal I remember reading diet books Rosemary Connolly's slim tummy plan I remember stealing yeah. my, my mum's cupboard and reading it so that was so, really normal sorry was she um was she did she have issues with her weight or was it just a fashionable thing to do so she was doing it or was she actually having a struggle maintaining a good healthy Wait. So my yeah, so my grandma um was had was kind of always weighing herself. And even when my grandma died at 90, my mum found slimming, like slimmers flipping shakes in her fridge. I mean, she was 90, dear goodness. Oh right. Goodness. But that is um, you know, so my mum was brought up with a dieting mentality, and um, and my grandma was on the on the uh, on the larger side not massive but she you know that she she struggled with her weight you know she yeah. struggled with the way that she ate um my grandfather was a farmer um they grew up you know they lived the farm life and um it was all about food you gotta you gotta eat more you know it's it's cold it's winter eat eat everything on your plate you know there's no yes. they had next to no money growing up at all mm-hmm. also po- post-war right yeah oh, totally. um, eat everything you cannot waste this is a financial oh, situation exactly because yeah? they went through um the depression and stuff you mm. know like food was hard to come by there's no way you could waste it exactly and sweets were rewards you you know sweet sugars rationed um sweets were reward. so my mum grew up with this very much come on dear finish everything on your plate eat up eat up eat up my mum was yeah. you know definitely on the on the on the bigger side as a child and she got mm-hmm. teased for being overweight and um my mum lacked self-confidence and she got bullied a lot because of her weight. And then that probably psych, you know, started the same cycle that I ended up going down. Right. So then she, she learned to, she had eating issues. So she starved herself for years, got very, very thin when she was in her twenties. And then basically chronically dieted for her entire life until she read my book, 
Uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, have you unpacked this all with her? I have. So yeah. I wrote my I wrote my first book, Lose Weight for Life, for my mother, right? Oh, and wow. I was like, and I was like, if there's nobody else that needs to read this, it's my mum. Yeah. Um, because watching what she did to herself, and, and you know, I, I, she feels dreadful now that she took me to these Weight Watchers things and yeah. Slimming World classes, and she would have this book on her on a like um, on the table where she'd write down everything that she eats she had scales in the kitchen she weighed all of her food she ate different food to us she ate lots of cottage cheese lots of tuna that classic you know like lettuce and protein stuff and I watched that as a child Mm. and I this is what's so interesting about food she never ever consciously talked to us about that this is the power of the subconscious of watching someone doing it Mm. um and then I was bullied at school and I, I just can't imagine that. I'm just like, <laughs> how could anyone bully you? Like, you're just so amazing. <sighs> oh, I was, yeah, I had no friends at school. I was um, shorter than other people. I was chubbier than other kids. Um, I had two brothers. So, um, and we kind of like hung around and played with a group of like six boys. So I didn't know how to behave as a girl at school, to be honest. And mm. I was, so then if they weren't doing like the rough and tumble talking about BMXs, I really didn't know how to behave. And, um, and I was just an easy target because I didn't say anything. And I, and I looked a bit different and I had big massive front teeth that people just used to call me Bugs Bunny. And, and I re and that's when I gravitated to food, you see, as this control mechanism for something that I was in control of. Um, And I was also a very, very, very fussy child. I was really, really fussy. But I found this thing in my life that couldn't give me any shit. You know, I if I chose to put that food in my mouth or not. um, And I was six. Well, I was admitted to hospital at six, actually, because I actually didn't start with food. This is a really weird thing. But I actually started controlling my fluid intake. um, As early as six. When I was six years old. Yeah, because what happened... I realized when I didn't drink water, I didn't, this is not conscious. I've only mm. realized this now as, as an adult. When I didn't drink water, my mum and dad gave me loads of attention. I got a sticker chart. Mm. I got, um, um, and I was going to the doctors all the time and because um, my kidneys weren't working properly. And they were begging me. And I got all this attention where, you know, my mum and dad both worked full time. I had two brothers that just used to kick me and throw me down the stairs and laugh yeah. at me for not climbing the tree as much as they did right and I got this like oh people give a shit about me and my parents are wonderful wonderful people mm. don't get me wrong like they're absolutely amazing people but when we grew up there was not the how do you feel how is your day they didn't know I was getting bullied at school they didn't you just they didn't people didn't ask you how you were like we ask our children how they are you know and does it still I, hurt in your yeah. heart now talking about it no, because I guess it's given done me so much work. I've done so much work on it. And, and I, I feel incredibly grateful to have survived it and, mm. um, and now be in a position to support others, other people yeah. because you cannot help someone else in that situation. I don't think unless you've been through something mm. similar yourself, because you just don't understand. I mean, yeah. Um, it's the same as someone giving parent advice, parenting advice to young <laughs> yeah. children, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, that's all very ideal until you've been up three times in the night and your child, you know, sneezed in your face that morning and poured yogurt down the down the kitchen bench. You try yeah. keeping yourself, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. together in in that situation. So yeah, it was a it was a long 
a long thing yeah so you grew up watching your mum and then at Mm. six you had these problems yourself I just wanted to um just say last night I put on a dress getting ready for I've got a function on Friday yeah and it was so tight around my stomach and did not look nice and oh my gosh I had to hold myself together so that I wasn't portraying my negativity onto my children yeah and it's so difficult isn't it and I went into a place in my head that I hadn't been for so long Mm. And I was just thinking, I am sick, a bit sick. So, you know, there's a bit of negativity in my mind. I haven't been exercising anyway. Yeah. But I was started thinking, I don't want to even go to this because yeah. I look disgusting. And yeah, it's so bad to be in that headspace. But yeah, and I still am thinking now, what of that did they perceive? Because I was holding as much of it in as I could. Um, and, and Amy was, you look beautiful, Mama. And I just, I just had to say, look, can you just give me some space? You just, yeah, you just leave for a minute because I just, I couldn't cope. Um, anyway, it's just, yeah, but, but that's because we make this how we look mean something about ourselves, right? Mm. And it, you know, and that society values, you know, that so much, and we give, you know, wow, look at that lady in that dress or whatever. Yeah. It's like, but actually, it's how you. The people are not looking at anywhere near as much as you are, you know. No, and uh, I was actually telling myself, if I go to this event and um, my dress is a bit tight around my tummy, right? Mm. People are probably, I'm probably going to make some people happy. <laughs> like, I'm probably going to make some people feel oh, the pressure's off them that you don't yeah. have to be looking perfect all the time. No, exactly. Because nobody does like, you know, in terms of all my like the videos that I do, people see me from the waist up and whatever else. And I am, you know, I am lucky, lucky, you know, I I am. um, I, I, you know, people look at me and go like, oh, how how could you ever have a problem with your weight or whatever Mm. you eat? But I've got weird boobs from what happens with babies my stomach is um yeah I'm, I've always that's a place where I don't I've, I don't carry weight on my stomach right it, it goes on my legs and my bum um but I you know mm, see so I'm the, the opposite food. it's like yeah exactly you say so yeah. you eat a big meal and you you know you look like you you're gonna have a baby right for, yeah. for me if, if whenever I've you know when my size changes it, it changes in a different a completely different mm. space and I can't get my trousers over my my ass right that's not <laughs> what happens <laughs> Um, but you know we this is what bodies are designed to do this Mm. they're not designed to be we've just got to be a little bit kind to ourselves in that situation and I think back in the back you know when we were growing up or when I was a teenager we were comparing ourselves to these well you know photoshopped images and now it's filters and all these Mm. different other things and bits and pieces but um, really the other thing is we compare ourselves against ourselves and, and actually you know we've had You've had three kids. I've had two kids. Mm. We're not 20 anymore. No, Our boobs no. are not going to be in the same place. No. Our thighs are not going to look the same as we did when we were 15. No. Um, nor should they. Uh, and, oh, and there's the, so that, much more that we're achieving as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, but we judge ourselves so much in that space. Um, but it's really easy. I mean, I, I... I don't know if I probably I I may still struggle with body dysmorphia to a certain yeah. degree. I mean, so, I sorry, let's go back. Let's, um, yeah. let's get get this whole journey done. So you're yeah. six and you're restricting your fluid, fluid, and you're in and out of hospital. You're getting attention from your family, so you 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 keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I keep going. So I get to I get to I'm there. 
um and actually the pain was really bad so I actually did end up I think I that kind of weaned itself off started um drinking um and then I started getting to the point where I started um throwing away lunchbox stuff um basically I had that so I was you know eight nine ten um so I basically I'm trying to think what age you go to secondary school in the UK because it's um so I probably started creating some kind of friendships when I was about 11 and I, I just oh, I moved schools my mum moved moved schools for my little brother to look after me because I was picked on for being whatever I was picked on for but I I don't in 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 um back then actually we were on school dinners weren't we in the UK I'm just trying to think what we were doing so it, mm. we it would be I would be avoiding certain things at school as far as I can remember there but when I'd go around to people's houses I like um I'd say that I'd eaten something to my mum and I hadn't and mm-hmm. um she'd be like oh and my mum ended up ringing my friends you know parents and being like has Claire actually eaten at your house because like she said that she has and she doesn't seem so when I got I got started making a few friends when I was about 11 or 12 and that's when it gets really bad because you start getting your body starts changing, you start mm. looking different. Um, uh, dieting was still very normal then, and that was okay for people to talk about for girls to want to eat carrot sticks and rice krispies in the morning yeah, it was rather than cool, the, wasn't it? It was it was really cool, you know, and it was not seen as dangerous. And parents were dieting, like you know, my mum her dieting behavior in front of me was not something that was unusual you know like that was quite normal because no one realized the implications of that Mm -hmm. at that time um now we do um and there was a lot of girls trying to control what they were eating and rolling their skirts up and doing bits and pieces and then this is this was the the clincher thing when I had a couple of friends but there were girls that were picking on me and being awful to me because I sounded different because my parents are from the south of England and I grew up in the north of England Mm -hmm. and anyone that's known or been to the UK knows that your accent yeah they and and I got picked on and spat out on the bus and bits and pieces oh my goodness that's so and awful. and then I started to um throw away food again and like not eat um and I god I think that was I think by that point you took lunch to older school I remember throwing away a lot of food and that was when the lying started and all sorts of different pieces and pieces so and then I got really, really thin yeah. uh, and people started to pay attention to me out of concern. And, you, had you been um, sort of a wee bit overweight previously? Not really. No, not, just... on, not, not, you know, one of the one of the, you know, if you line up all the girls in the class, I was probably, you know, near you know nearer that nearer the top you know like you know on not on the skinny side yeah. but not you know the biggest person in the class I was by yeah. no means there was no means a problem I was not having to get you know yeah. I didn't look you know it was just within the normal spectrum of mm-hmm. everybody in my head I was obviously like the biggest yeah. person in the world and whatever mm-hmm. else um and then people start well I got attention and people started abusing me going oh you have you're so skinny. You are you blowing all your blowing all your stuff out your nose? Like I blew my nose once, and I remember these girls like laughing at me, being I don't know what it was about it, but they were just being absolutely. It was a girl called Alison. I'll never forget it. She was so awful. And someone threw an orange at me and like squeezed it on my nose and my face and was just mocking me. But also then I had this concern from my parents and from a couple of like family friends where they were like, "Oh my goodness, what's you know is she all right?" and um, 
and it uh, so it was just this thing of, of again like made, when you were six people were paying attention to you finally and yeah it made yeah. it made me not invisible but the weird thing was I was wearing really baggy clothes I was wearing my brother's t-shirts it was not about you see the, the interesting you didn't want to thing look good you just wanted to control no. something and, and this is what is completely misunderstood around many people who have dysfunctional eating that, you know, it's it's we because this is the very there's a very big difference between like eating a little bit less to consciously want to look different in clothes mm-hmm. to actually having a dysfunctional relationship mm. in your mind with your body and yourself and actually using food to control and manage your emotions and your feelings. Yes, because and, so many people say things when they don't understand like, oh, why did they do it? It doesn't even look good. They look terrible. Why did they do terrible. it? Terrible. And I looked absolutely dreadful and I was yeah. sick all the time. I looked ghastly. I was just painfully thin. My fingers were like um, you know, I'm now, um, uh, I don't really weigh myself, but I'd be somewhere in the kind of like 58-ish kilos if I was doing whatever. I was, I went down to like 45, you know, yeah. and I'm just, you know, and I'm not, it was, you know, my body's not meant to be. Like, Did you get like hospitalized that. or were you on the brink of death? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't, not with that, because what happened, this is an, so when I was 15, I was really thin in my, and I did have a couple of good friends by that point. Um, I did my Duke of Edinburgh awards, um, which I felt, which was actually a real opening for me when I started to get outside more and realize that there was other things that I felt really good about, which is a, mm-hmm. a, where a lot of my interest of being outside is a safe space for me, a mm-hmm. safe for me that, that I, that I felt that I wasn't being judged and something that I was kind of good at, that wasn't, I wasn't good at be- making friends with people. I wasn't good at all sorts of things. I was, I'm dyslexic. So um, I couldn't, I failed all my English stuff and all my history at school. Um, and, you know, you get picked on for being dumb because I can't read off a blackboard. I can't read comprehension. Gosh, can't look read. at what you've achieved. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. You just, you, you work, you work around these things. Right. But then yeah. what happened when I was 15 is the girl that I was a friend of mine, there was like four of us in a group and one of the girls hung herself and mm-hmm. she, it was absolutely, truly horrific mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Yeah. And I remember picking up the phone and having to call my other friend, Nikki, who had been, um, she and um Alana have been friends since they were uh at primary school so I'd only met her when I was at secondary school so I'd I'd known her and she's a really good friend of mine we were in the same Duke of Edinburgh group right mm-hmm. so we'd hiked these mountains and done camping and done all of our mm-hmm. stuff together we were really tight and um but Nikki my friend had known her since she was you know really really young mm-hmm. and I had to ring her and say that this is what happened and I so the who day that told I'd, you who told you how'd you I, I had found out from either from the school or somebody else had told me or told my mum and then it, my mum said I had to ring and tell Nikki and I mm-hmm. and I remember you know old school phones with the coil on them yeah. and I was playing with the coil and I was like oh my god and she screamed at Dan I dropped the phone and um then her mum was like what the hell have you just said to her and then I had to say it again oh my goodness how old 15 16 I was 15 years old she was 15 oh. years old and um she and this was this was a really eye-opener for me because she was popular she was head girl she was an achiever but the problem was she didn't feel like she lived up to people's standards right mm-hmm. which has been a huge lesson for me in my life of this whole thing that you think people are you you know when the people on the brink of 
taking their own lives it's not always the people that you think right it's yeah, sometimes that's exactly what happened to um he was he, he was in my class all through primary school and he was our neighbor and the same sort of thing he had everything going mm-hmm. for him big expectations and yeah same thing just couldn't just couldn't get there so mm. it, it's like yeah so she then Nikki I remember sitting down actually I remember I, I very picture of me saying you cannot do this to me as well like you are not well you are not eating I am not having you die as well as her and I felt so bad obviously and then I remember going to the funeral I'm standing there and thinking oh my god this is ridiculous what I'm yeah. doing to myself so anyway I did start to eat again after that I hadn't had I mean you didn't get therapy back then I mean that was unless mm. you were hospitalized back in that when I was that age it wasn't a thing right mm-hmm. um and then I just couldn't cope with that I couldn't cope with the fact that my body was changing I couldn't cope with the fact that I wasn't in control of anything and that's when I started binging and vomiting and so from about the age of 16 I think I was um I started binging so was it like almost like in an attempt to get better, but you didn't have the skills. So you were like, totally. I can't do, I have to eat, but then you still weren't recovered. So the response yeah, I had, she, she had to see me vomit. eating at her house. You had to see me eating at I her see. house. Yeah. And, and I, and then I would do that. And then, you know, I was like, oh, wow. You know, and, and then I, that kind of got really out of control because what the, what the thing is, what is behind most of these, you know, dysfunctional behavior stuff um be it you know eating alcohol abuse self-harm drug addiction you know it's, it's managing your thoughts and feelings you know I hated myself I absolutely hated myself that conversation that I had when I was with myself as a little girl in the playground has replayed in my head I'm 40 in a couple of weeks and it and, and it is it's only recently that I'm just really starting to to really you know, have a conversation with that younger version of myself and, and, and realize that, you know, none of that was, I just didn't have the skills to cope with my feelings. And, and do you think that was because you were bullied because you were treated so poorly by your peers? Because that's yeah. kind of everything at that age, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that my, my mum and dad are the most lovely, beautiful people. It, and, and honestly, it, 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 but it really that, you know, they were busy, they were busy and mm-hmm. they would, they didn't ask me how I was, but that's because it was not a thing then, mm-hmm. right? You just got mm-hmm. on, you did your thing, you did as you were told, you went to bed when you didn't mess around, you know, mm-hmm. that was, yeah. um, and there was no space for that. They, they, yeah. So then what ended up happening is it got really bad, to be honest. It really, really did get bad. And I was basically choking on water. Um, I remember like, uh, like I would literally what do you mean? vomit. So in my, you like you vomit in my just... spontaneously vomit. I just could like oh. literally I had damaged, did some so much damage to my esophagus that I would literally vomit. Um, sounds disgusting. Sorry, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I it is that I just couldn't hold food down. So I'd be like at a table and I'd be like in the middle of eating, and the the that my reflex to vomit would actually have, and I'd almost like be oh, sick really? and I'd had just hideous, absolutely hideous. Carried on vomiting through that. is a horrible thing, like it's awful. <gasps> I had a few too many drinks a few weeks ago and I was vomiting and yeah oh my goodness it's hideous yeah your whole stomach is just like squeezing as tight as it can so you're doing that multiple times a day yeah so I was vomiting at least six to eight times a day and I from from the age of 16 until I was at least 26 like 27 older probably wow that long um 
Yeah. So what? So what happened? Is, and it did. It did actually. I, it was. It was much better when I was in my twenties in terms of the frequency. But it was still. Mm. It was still there. So then I uh, did all that, and ca- that carried on through my teenagers. And he stopped drinking. And that's not very helpful either. Um, I was still binging, and and sometimes I wouldn't vomit, but I was, I was binging, and I know what it's like. You know, putting an uncomfortable amount of food in my body. Then I went to university, and this is the thing I'm most irritated by my well very irritated by is I started drinking a lot at university mm-hmm. um as everybody does you know four years mm-hmm. full-time at university I studied mm-hmm. dietetics because I was essentially you got to, food, weren't you? I, well I the reason was I was actually expected to do medicine so my dad's a doctor my mm-hmm. brother's a doctor my mum's a nurse like in time and so I was actually kind of like the anticipation is clear you you're going to do medicine right mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do medicine so I was swinging up between speech and language therapy um a physiotherapy or dietetics yeah. and then I and then pretty much it was an even split right I was like don't know what I'm going to do here and but then those I are was things like, that are still um high, you know looked at fondly by people in that sort of field yes. you know yeah yeah and I physio I was near very 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 nearly did physio and then I was like you know what like wouldn't it be great if I could learn everything there was to know about food and mm-hmm. um and so I ended up enrolling um in in that and it was four years full-time I did personal training at the same time so I became a qualified fitness instructor while I was doing that and um started drinking um, as it was everyone else was doing and then I wow did my food get worse and I can't even tell you through university my eating and drinking was horrific because it was alcohol which changes your brain chemistry Mm -hmm. um I was just a nightmare I mean my binging and vomiting was absolutely out of control and my binging was just I would go to I remember going to the dairy and buying like three family-sized bags of Maltesers eating one vomiting eating the other two and then not being sick and then just be like crying into the bag oh my god honestly and um and so did you have more friendships by this stage I did I had really great friends at this point actually like I had functioning socially I was functioning socially, um, hiding this a lot Mm -hmm. um, from people. Um, Then I started to get really bad, like horrific nosebleeds. Um, This whole thing about spontaneously not being able to hold food down. I was like, oh, my God, this is like absolutely horrendous. Then through drinking, what happened when I was 19, um, again, like the food wasn't doing it anymore. And I started to use scissors and, and I started to kind of like, experiment with self-harming which was absolutely oh my god and then I remember I remember actually going and buying a cheap bottle of vodka and thinking about whether I could buy um I had some paracetamol and I was sitting there on my bed and my friend who was one of you know I credit for saving my life my friend Zoe walked in and was like what the hell are you doing like you know and it was Arunet remember it was 5 45 p.m she got me out that room and she marched me down to the doctors it was actually at the end of our road I didn't have mm-hmm. an appointment and she said I am not leaving here until you sort her out oh my god and I remember sitting on the bed and just sobbing and 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 this doctor who was clearly not meant, you know, was trying to pack up the surgery and go. And 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 I remember admitting for the first time in my whole life, which I have always felt like this up until this point, is that I am not safe in my own company, is that I am not safe to be left alone, that I I will do something to myself. So when I was younger, this I reflected on this as well. I used to go to bed every single night as a child. 
and pray because I grew up in a religious family Mm -hmm. so we used to pray you know used to Mm -hmm. kind of going to church and praying and I used to be like dear God can I just not wake up in the morning can you you just like I know it's selfish to die but can you just not wake me up like just please Mm. just make me make me not wake up and and then when I had these tools and being like oh my god you can actually hurt yourself through cutting and you know and and these and would you feel good by hurting yourself like would it make you give you good feelings that Nah, it just makes you feel like and I think that I've done so much work on trauma and um self-abuse and stuff since then is realizing that actually it it almost you feel so numb with the 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 pain of everything that you're feeling that actually trying to feel something you're trying to feel something you're trying to feel and it's a really screwed up way of doing it potentially also um the same sort of thing as not not drinking and not eating the self-harm is like that subconscious cry for attention as well like because that's what had worked in the past I think by that point it was it was just it was more hurting myself because I was so disappointed with myself by that point like you wanted to hurt yourself like yeah like you would someone that you didn't like or something that you know people say I'm gonna yeah yeah totally or something you know you almost yeah so when I had good friends, because I did have really good friends there, the, 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 the cry for attention had gone. Mm-hmm. This was more a, a self-abuse. It was absolute yeah. self-abuse. Like you are not, you are worthless. You are not. Even though I had lovely friends around me, I just hated myself. Mm-hmm. And then I got really irritated. Actually, I mean, they put me on antidepressants, which was fine, but no one told me to stop drinking. And I cannot believe it now. I yeah. literally had, honestly, I cannot even believe myself that I did not know at the age of 19 that alcohol was so linked but to mood depression. But do you think depression. you would have stopped drinking though? Like, I don't think if someone told me to stop drinking when I was at uni, I don't think I would have actually. I think, I don't think I would have, but I stayed on antidepressants for seven years and I could have probably come off those antidepressants after about three years had I realised that the impact of alcohol. So probably not at university I probably would have rung it down but I mean I used to feel suicidal after every single night like I I remember I used to call it the Tuesday blues right Mm -hmm. every Tuesday I'd honestly feel like I wanted to kill myself like and and it just absolutely horrendous and I'd have to try and hold myself together to do this and and yeah I I wish someone had said to me that alcohol is so stupid (laughs) you know now but anyway I realize that now um so the hard thing is it gives you that high and like you know, you're out on a Saturday night and you're surrounded by friends and you feel so good. Yeah. And, and it and, and it was escapism, you know, I felt part I part, mm. felt part of something. And I had I was in the gymnastics club at university. Mm. I had good friends at university. I was back to kind of socially functioning. But this part of myself, which was this self-destructive stuff that I'd not dealt with since a child, mm-hmm. um, and and then it became a problem well it was just you know it, it really is a problem and w- when I um then got into the workplace so I actually trained as a clinical dietitian so I yes yeah, so um, actually someone asked me the other day and it's a really good question what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist such a good question okay so the word nutritionist is not temporarily. No, no, no. It's very, it's very important. Very yeah. important. So the word nutritionist is not a regulated word. So anybody can call themselves a nutritionist, whether they've mm-hmm. done no study, they've done a 12 week study, they've just personally interested in it. And you can call you, and I've seen this a lot recently, you know, they're like, oh, it's Jamie's nutrition, whatever, or, or mm-hmm. and the word nutrition does not mean that somebody is qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of odd qualifications in nutrition to be a 
to qualify to be what's called a registered nutritionist, you have to have done a BSc, a Bachelor of Science um, in Human Nutrition for a minimum of three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a BSc honours in Nutrition and Dietetics, which was four years full time. In New Zealand, it is five years mm-hmm. because they, they it's a master's degree over here. And a dietetics, um, is it a lot of sort of like the science of food more like in working yeah. in hospitals? Hospitals, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was trained. So basically you in dietetics, you essentially do medicine for two years yeah. and then you kind of specialize in nutrition. So a lot of dietitians end up, well, now they work in private practice, but a lot of them I was trained. So I initially was working in ICU doing tube feeds for people who'd have traffic accidents and yeah. who'd had strokes. Um, I was working in gastro. So people who've had their stomach removed mm-hmm. um, or some major trauma and they you have to feed them artificially in different ways. So dietetics is like the, the medical side of food and nutrition. It's the, Exactly. It is. But also, obviously, we are equally well trained to work with um, people who are trying to um, get their health and well-being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, All that kind of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and, And registered nutritionists just don't necessarily don't necessarily have that level of clinical experience, although I've got some of my team have done so much study since then like Pip, she's a registered nutritionist, but she's done it for 20 years. Right. So she's got immense knowledge. So Mm -hmm. she's equally as good as a dietitian, but just her her background is good in different ways. But you absolutely need to check someone's qualifications. Um, Definitely do. So I did uh, a BSc, yeah, four years in in, um, dietetics. I finished, started working in a hospital um, and I still had an eating issue, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was working tube feeding patients. This is not me doing some kind of weird. So like, are you <laughs> what, 22, 23 by then? Yeah. So what would that be? 2004. Uh, yeah. So you go to university at 18, 22, probably. Yeah. Then my mum and dad did not know that I had bulimia up until this point in time. Right. Oh. So this is from the age so of So even 16. when you were um, 40 something kgs they oh they, so that was the, uh, they knew I was anorexic they knew so they were okay that, and then that, you stopped being anorexic and you moved to bulimia yeah but yeah. you weren't as skinny when you had no I was totally normal in fact I was I was um okay uh bigger than I am now okay right um no one would ever have known mm-hmm. they didn't really know I had it very well um I was out I was at university right so for, you for, would for, um for hold enough years. in but you'd then you'd eat to excess and vomit that up yeah, so I'd hide food, buy food, yeah, all yeah. sorts of sneaky stuff, like the sneaky mm-hmm. stuff that you can get up to. Um, people's parties, like at people's, so we, we at that was a stage where we were like going around to other people's houses and I'd like go to my friend's houses and eat all sorts of crisps and whatever and then mm-hmm. throw up in their toilet, right? Mm-hmm. Like weird. Um, but then when I get into a functioning workplace, oh, good grief, this is horrendous. And then I went to a big party with three I, I was always friends with boys right and I and I went on this um I went away for a weekend with uh friends from school that were that were, that were guys and uh, I got drugged and oh, I goodness. someone spiked my drink right mm. and all I remember was waking up with this lady like it wrapped in a silver foil thing like you know in a hyperventilation yeah, yeah, thing yeah. of this one whacking me around the face to like wake up and I was like, whoa, whoa, what, you know, and then, um, and then I was, yeah, I had to go home. But what so happened scary. was the boys thought they didn't believe that someone had put something in my drink. They were like, mm. it's your fault because you don't eat and you just drank too much and you just mm-hmm. vomited and whatever. And one of those boys drew 
rang my mum and told my mum what happened didn't forget the drugs thing you know she was like oh this and she never did oh my god so I came home from this weekend to my mum and dad who are now watching every single mouthful that I eat every Mm. single time I go to the sorry with the drugging did you ever find out who did it nah it was it was like a festival thing okay it was probably someone put something in in vodka red bull that I definitely shouldn't have been drinking at that age anyway but um I and so how did you know you'd definitely been drugged just, just because response. I, yeah, how I mean, you, I, you, I, I went unconscious, yeah. basically. Like, I mean, yeah. I, and I, I, I wasn't, I've never been, I mean, I drank, but I never been like absolutely crazy yeah. um, with it. I was always quite aware of, of myself in that kind of space, probably because of, and I think well, you having were controlling on, things too, weren't you? So you didn't want to get out of control. And, and also being on, uh, on medication, like antidepressants and stuff makes you very yeah. aware of like the, where your safety levels of mm-hmm. where you feel safe or not yeah. um and so they told my mum and then I was like oh my goodness and that is how I ended up in New Zealand <laughs> because your parents were like watching your every move so you're like I'm out I could not deal with it anymore I was just become all this hyper focus on me and my behavior and they were trying to help so me were you living at home help. Or... I was living living at home yeah. so I in in that middle bit there during my university I'd been to New Zealand for three months to to be on a um uh to be to do a placement mm-hmm. um at Diabetes New Zealand um which again was an interesting thing that happened I came over here and I was like oh I, was, I wasn't particularly well went back um and then Diabetes New Zealand very amazingly offered me a full-time position and I, I moved to New Zealand and I thought, you know what? My life's going to be so much better. Mm. I moved on my own. I'm going to get a new job. I broke up with my boyfriend. I was like, I'm going to just start fresh and mm-hmm. we're going to do that. Bugger the job. rest of you sort of thing as well. Thinking about. Turn, yeah, it turns out started buying ice cream from Countdown in Mount Eden. Mm-hmm. Big tubs of it. It got horrendous. It all kicked off again. It was absolutely dreadful. And I ended up in therapy for the first time about it all and being like oh turns out it's not me that's broken it's my mind like mm-hmm. and then I had this massive breakthrough and that was the beginning of it all of going all this dysfunctional eating and these dysfunctional thought patterns that I have about myself and the self-hatred and the self-harm and the self this and the self that it's nothing Completely to do with it. me it's mm-hmm. to do with the way that I think and it's your, your mind thinking tricks on you yeah, your thinking is not who you are. And this is mm-hmm. something I teach my boys every single day. I'm mm-hmm. like, just because you think something does not make it true. Just because someone else says something does not make it true. No, and they, that. you know, I literally, Zach will tell me every day. I'm like, in fact, Josh did last night. He's brushing his teeth. Alfie said, Alfie said, I'm dumb. I said, are you dumb? He looked at me and said, no I said well there you go just because people say something doesn't make it true Mm -hmm. you know he's four Mm -hmm. and um already reframing that I had no frame of reference for that until I was you know 20 whatever I was you know 20 nearly 30 by the sounds of it yeah 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 yeah. and so Um, in terms of coming here and getting the therapy was there more access to therapy here or was it just you'd come to the point in the road where it was time to Nah, I paid for it. I just, yeah. I, I, yeah, I had, I paid for it as part of my job. I didn't tell anyone I was going. To be honest, initially, the first therapist I saw it made it a lot worse. Yeah. Um, 
you've got to see the right person to help you. Um, and then I did a lot of reading, a lot of work. Obviously, as a dietitian, I have a lot of access to resources and mm-hmm. knew kind of where to look for the right books and the right things to read. And to be honest, uh, the the help I ended up what I ended up working on was actually nothing related to my food. It was all to do with um God, I went through What's so many mind, different courses. It? Well, it what it is. And it was, it was actually the relationship I have with myself and mm-hmm. um framing up my my habits and things around food. So um it was that was kind of the journey of that. Cause it really, you know, I blamed this on food the whole time, but food was just, and I say this to all so many people at Mission Nutrition, so many people, mums ring us all the time with their kids with they're like, oh my goodness, I'm worried about this and what food is so often the symptom, it is not mm-hmm. the cause. The issue okay. is Something the relationship that you have mm-hmm. with yourself or or not always. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, food is definitely is is a huge symptom of underlying issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have to eat, right? We have mm-hmm. to eat, we don't have to drink alcohol. But we have to, and we're confronted with food multiple times mm. a day, right? So and it's so delicious, and it makes and you it's feel so good. delicious, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was, gosh, so that was what I mean, two thousand and five. We're now in two thousand and twenty-two. So it's been a slow, steady journey of reprogramming myself, rebuilding myself, mm-hmm. doing all sorts of different things. But this is one of the things that I'm massively passionate about helping people understand is, do you know what? I actually had this massive thing the other day where I opened the freezer and I took ice cream out of the freezer and I had a scoop of ice cream and I put it back. And I was like, wow. Like, do you know what? That mm-hmm. is profound. But yeah. it has taken me since 2005 it is now 2022 to feel safe with that food in my freezer right yeah Yeah. so people that think that they can change the way that they eat and if they have got a dysfunctional relationship with food by just not buying it yeah or just like trying Mm -hmm. to use their willpower or or Mm -hmm. just or following some kind of diet plan for whatever Mm -hmm. week it's like like oh my god no the reasons for it yeah and and understand that and um you know I I still you know Christmas is always a very 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 difficult time for me and and I did a social media post probably about two years ago um I have vomited every single Christmas day until two years ago wow and I'm nearly 40 now and that is because that is a one day that for some reason gets rid there's cream like ice mm-hmm. cream creamy yeah. anything like no, that is a real understand. trigger for me I yeah. cannot have any creamy cocktail still like I could not have a, a drink or anything because your body's like oh I'm ready to vomit this out I just can't I just it, exactly mm-hmm. I can't eat like cream um I had a cream donut uh, and I'm like that's okay like the liquid cream is the stuff mm-hmm. that I'm like dear something about this is just makes me but um because I find I am um, definitely around Christmas I start overeating like it's almost like yeah. a habit yeah and it's a learned thing from when we're children there's lots mm. of cues there's lots of um it's permission to and un- un- you know eat yeah. where we we feel like the rest of the year there's, there's, there's not this permission mm-hmm. um but I I just feel so feel for women who you know judge this is where my passion for this work comes from is like who judge themselves so much for like eating they're like I ate that and I shouldn't have eaten it I Mm -hmm. did this and I'm like 
give yourself a break. Mm. Like, and it's the same so, with exercise too. You know, people punishing themselves for yes. missing workouts and yeah, like on the binge cycle, but it's exercise. So they'll exercise hardcore for a short amount of time and they'll stop and they'll feel really negative about themselves and then they'll exercise again, but they're still feeling negative about themselves. Yeah. And then they stop and it's off and on, off and on, off and on. Exactly. And it's just the, it's just, it, it absolutely screws with your mind and mm. it doesn't mean don't do anything about it. It just means change your approach. Right. Yeah. Like, because, um, uh, you, the one one thing this is the way I describe it right if if you have learned to drive on the left hand side of the road right your brain is completely wired to subconsciously drive on the left hand side of the road mm-hmm. you approach a roundabout driving the left hand side of the road you know how to do it right mm-hmm. you just subconsciously you put your indicator on you go around mm-hmm. you go to France for the weekend or a week or a month <laughs> you drive on the right hand side of the road right yeah. your brain has to consciously really be aware and mindful of what you're doing Mm -hmm. and then you get to roundabout shit what am I gonna do or getting off getting off like the intersection oh my god and you have to really be mindful about what you're doing and will until you're driving my brother lives in France right Mm -hmm. and it's taken him he's like you know what's taken me probably two three years To to take to take my post-it note off the front of my car, which shows the arrow of which way I need to drive. He's got his post-it <laughs> note, it's hilarious. Because yeah. he's like, I literally go to a roundabout and my brain goes, go this way. It starts way. freaking out, yeah. And it's like, well, no, 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 it's go this way. And mm. I, it is, if you have eaten, if you've had patterns of eating for as long as I did, or probably now, you know, I'm, four, I'm 40 and, and it's like, I've had the last 10 years fixing this. Mm-hmm. If you're 40 or 50 and have done this, do not expect yourself. Don't be so to, to reprogram yourself. It's exactly like mm. learning to drive on the other side of the road. Your brain yeah. is consciously taking you to the left. Mm-hmm. You have to train it to go to the right. It is nothing to do with it makes food. total sense, but yet so many people they'll jump onto something, try a yeah. healthy approach, or start start an exercise plan for two weeks. Yeah. Too hard. And it's what you and I do. And the reason why, what gets you and I out of bed in the morning is the mm-hmm. fact that what you're doing in your work is, is, is setting up those, the, you know, the habits, the routines, the 20 minutes, these are right, that they're, they're easy to do. They fit in with your lifestyle. It's arriving at the right point for people to get them into this new pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, in food, it's a little bit more difficult in the sense that you are constantly, you have to think about this multiple times a day. Yes. Um, and you're confronted with also the thing that's really, really frustrating is people that deliberately sabotage you. Um, mm-hmm. which Just is because they've got their own issues going on. Because, yeah, yeah, because essentially, if someone is not coping with food, it makes them feel better if you're eating and they're not. Mm. Um, and well, I, I can relate to that still now, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We do, and it, and it, it's we, do, same. we do it to others without meaning to. It exactly. Are you, and, and you know, and it's even. Are you going to have some? And if and if they if don't, you're not. You don't, yeah. I, and I I used to live like that. You know, I'm not having a drink if you're not having a drink, and mm. all that kind of stuff. And then you become facilitators of, um, you know, well, we'll do it together and we'll indulge together, and it becomes this connection moment. You know, mm. food has so many functions in our lives, but. I would just say that to anyone that's listening to this, that if you struggle with yourself and your relationship with food, 
um, understand that the dieting industry, the industry that exists in this space is, is 99% of it is there, is there to not, it, it is, <laughs> takes the approach that's it's the short, to sharp fail. fix. It is, yeah. and it's, it, it's that, it's not you that is failing. It's the fact that most of these people have mm-hmm. not been through what you and I have been through, you know, anyone listening to this, like if they, they don't understand and they're yeah. like, we'll just do this, focus on this. It's like, and then what you do is you do that and you can't maintain it and you feel utterly shit about yourself. But do you think and, that yeah, obviously not all of us have been through um, as severe challenges mm. as you have, but do you think on a level just all of us have got, you know, like I feel like just about everyone I meet has yes. some sort of disordered eating. So yep. everyone can understand but these people that are doing these diets and all this kind of thing they either haven't recovered themselves and haven't identified Mm -hmm. that in themselves yeah or they're just purely just focusing on money that can be made and they don't have a passion like us to actually genuinely help people change people at the core yeah Yeah. totally so one of the things is even if you've not had dysfunctional relationship you know you're not you're not had disordered eating Mm -hmm. most people listening to this when you were growing up you were told to finish everything on your plate Mm -hmm. right that in itself is a mm. subconscious thing in your brain that makes it very difficult to manage the amount that you're eating. Yeah. Number two, most of us as children were given sweets, chocolate, lollies or something nice when we were hurt, yeah. good mm-hmm. or something. So when something bad has happened or something good has happened. So we have a subconscious association between food and feelings of, of uh, reward yeah. and sadness. So you eat to so, feel good. You eat to feel good. And if you feel sad, food will make you feel better, Mm -hmm. right? Most people listening with this can probably relate to that, right? Um, And then there is the fact that we are women and we have had our bodies judged and had things said to us about us or to other people about our weight, whether it's, wow, you're looking good, you've lost weight when you've had gastro. Mm -hmm. And then you think to yourself, oh God, like, do I need, you know, oh, Mm -hmm. hang on. I look better after I've had gastro. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Um, People complimenting you on the way that you've changed. um, You know, and I try not to compliment people anymore. But I had a friend that was, you know, had gone through a really, really mm. messy divorce, Mm -hmm. horrific, and just was in the most horrific space, right? Mm. And then people going, you look great. So she's like, I'm literally the most stressed, unhealthy person Mm. in the world. And you are telling me that I look good. Like, this is just not, this is, you know, reinforcing this message. So whether you've had dysfunctional eating or not, as a child, there will be some relationship that you had with food that was not just Mm -hmm. this food helps you your brain work your muscles work and your legs and arms move Mm -hmm. right it is it it, food is associated with meaning and meaning gets confusing so So how do we um compliment people because I'm just thinking it through like because people like to be complimented and sometimes I'll um look and see if someone's made a real effort to look nice and they have pride in it then I might say, um, you know, you look really nice. But at the same time, we want to feel like we look nice when we haven't made an effort. But then the problem is you (laughs) don't look as nice when you haven't made an effort. It's the reality of makeup and nice clothes and things. So what do you think we can do for our friends and our children um, to support them without causing 
more issues in that space issues. yeah, yeah. Or, or, well I, I know in the in the child space they they recommend you know co- complimenting your children's behavior not who you know like um yes I try not to go overboard on their achievements it's more yeah um, yeah 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 yeah, yeah and effort hard. and effort is yeah. another one complimenting the effort rather than what they've actually achieved yeah you know and I and I I when I see people I'll be like wow you're like you're re- you know like you um you've got amazing energy or I like I love your jacket I guess it's just trying to not compliment on body shape or size mm-hmm. really you know that's kind of the the main thing or um like you and might also, say your jacket looks great yeah instead of you're great. looking like, great yeah, because yeah, 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 and then yeah. you just don't know what's going on in their head to get to where they are in that point and it also or you look really the, great the in that person. jacket or but then I, but then do we start do people start then um buying clothes to feel good <laughs> Well, it's, you know, I I have a challenge with my work situation, right? So I grew up with a, my dad, my dad worked full time, totally addicted to work. So my dad was bullied again at school, awfully, awful, awful. He had a horrendous time at boarding school um, and worked, did two degrees, went to Oxford University, Cambridge, sorry, got a medical degree from Cambridge. Yeah. He was going to be a farmer and then he did medicine. Um, and then um he has always praised for work right so I have always been praised for achievement where did you get in the mm-hmm. class did you come number first did you come mm-hmm. so for me people have way over praised me for my work mm-hmm. which has been as bad as anyone like I have become addicted to work in, 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 in you know in in a way because mm-hmm. you, I get that addi- I think I'm can, the same as sport I've yeah. worked out yeah. this last year especially with learning golf and being a learner and why I've struggled so much with it is because I realized that I've based my self-identity and my sense of self and, um, mm. you know, that feelings of praise from achievements in sport. Yes. So when yeah. I wasn't, when I'm not good at something. It feels like you're failing, which oh, you're yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And I talk to myself ne- negatively and I think of myself negatively and I'm constantly feel like I'm trying to prove to people yeah. that I'm good at it. The biggest thing I've learned in the last, probably in the last year, is I've always tried to, I guess, get rid of that negative self-talk, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And that's been the goal. But now I'm aware of it and disassociate. And that's actually yes. much more powerful. So you sort of bring it in, listen to it and go, okay, I'm feeling that because of this, but I need to turn it around rather than go, that's not right. That's not true. Yeah, like I'm not that I- person. Yeah, it's identifying because, what it's oh, did you nearly yeah, fall off, nearly, nearly fell off my chair. Um, because I think that then we we set ourselves up for this fact that then when a negative thought about ourselves or something bad bad is happening, that we think, oh gosh, that's terrible. I think that about myself. Oh, it's like or so again, it's or, just a negative thought. You're thinking negatively about yourself. Exactly. Or another person, like I feel terrible when I think horrible things about my children, and I'm like, oh god, I'm such a bad person, mm. you know. Or I'm just like, oh, I hate, you know. But I, it, we are not perfect. We are no. human beings, and mm-hmm. a lot of our um, thoughts and our the process that we have are survival instincts. We're not all feelings are valid. All mm-hmm. thoughts come through, but when you notice them, you have the power to change them. So. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than suppressing those thoughts and feelings, it's actually just noticing and and detaching for them. And one of the things I get people to do is in their food space, my I'm absolutely massive on awareness like awareness is 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 the thing that gives you the power back. When you have an awareness of what you're thinking, you have 
the capacity to change. Mm -hmm. If you're not aware of what you're doing, if you're not aware of what you're thinking, nothing can change. Mm -hmm. So um, in terms of this reprogramming, driving on the left hand side to the right right side of the road, um, if you're not aware that you're in a car driving, you can't, you know, like you can't do it. So just non-judgmental awareness. So, Mm -hmm. and I get people to writing down is the biggest thing. Like if you ate something, rather than going, I am such a lazy fat, this and I'm mm-hmm. this and I'm I'm terrible and I told myself I wasn't like stop I ate three donuts at the supermarket mm-hmm. why did I do that what was why yeah. did I do that right it How's is not feeling? how is that what and also remember yeah. I I drew this picture and I for a friend of mine who has significant health uh, mental health challenges and I drew this picture of her like a stick man and a thought bubble and I'm like this is you, the stick man. Mm-hmm. This is you, the thought bubbles. You are not the bubble. The mm-hmm. bubble is not you, right? Really powerful picture. And um, I actually have this picture in several places in my house, actually. And I'm like, okay, so you've eaten three donuts. You are not a bad person for eating the three donuts. There is some thought process, probably from your childhood, probably from some self-abuse that you've caused yourself of a conversation that led you to eat those three donuts. Mm -hmm. When you can unpick what it is, I have no time to myself. When I go to the supermarket, it's the only personal space that I get. As a child, I was rewarded with food. I bought these three donuts because actually it makes me feel like I'm, I've got my own space. Like, mm-hmm. so you ate donuts to make you feel like you've got a sense of personal space, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're like, oh, so that's what I need. I need the personal space. I need mm-hmm. to create something for myself that reminds me, you know, that because some people, you know, that's the only time and space you get to yourself. And then you mm-hmm. reward yourself in this moment. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the donuts, but you yeah. don't feel good after you eat the donuts. So mm-hmm. what Especially could you do? Three and- yeah completely and loneliness drives a huge amount of eating Mm -hmm. and you know because you food is company it's it's when when it's this non-judgmental thing that will you know make you feel better temporarily food increases dopamine in the brain it makes Mm -hmm. you feel better but the judgment I shouldn't have eat that and actually you didn't want to eat it no but it was loneliness Mm -hmm. and um that drove that behavior and when you can see it for what it is you can realize it's not you it's just that thought bubble and then you can re rewire that you yeah. know um because we have to dissociate this the self-blame the self-blame is what led me to nearly just you know to, to that bottle of vodka and you know paracetamol or whatever else like it doesn't help and every time I remember going into the bathroom every single day from probably the age of six until I was 26 right not 26 actually I threw away scales for that maybe like 20 going in and looking in the mirror and saying to myself come on Claire (laughs) today like just don't binge today just Mm -hmm. don't because I didn't vomit every like some days I just have a binge day and I wouldn't vomit at all other Mm -hmm. days it would just be eating literally one day I can't eat Nutella right can't eat anything with Nutella in it I ate an entire the biggest jar of Nutella you can possibly find. If you can imagine eating that all in one go, that does not feel good. Oh my God. I look at Nutella and I'm like, oh. Um, and, um, and I was like, you can, you, you can be this person. You don't have to do this. And then I would binge and I would 
do that. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I hated and you had myself. It achieved what you set out to achieve. So you feel really negative about yourself. But it, it, you see, it, eating, eating well and exercising seems so logical, mm. but it, but it's not. Oh, it's and, we, yeah. it, and weirdly, it's the sabotage. We sabotage ourselves because when you feel bad about yourself, you are not more likely to exercise or yeah, more, likely more likely to eat salad. Yeah. You are more likely to go, I look fat anyway. Yeah. I need to I make myself feel good as well. I feel yeah. shit. How do I feel good by eating a donut? Or, punishment so a lot of people eat and avoid exercise actually for quite the opposite yeah it's self-abuse so you don't deserve to feel good from this you aren't good enough you can't achieve these things yeah so So I remember eating and avoiding exercise as a form of self-abuse like it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's a a punishment you don't deserve it's a weird screwed up crazy Mm. uh way of doing it but it is yeah when you understand yourself and you can detach yourself from your eating and exercise behaviors and literally view yourself as if you were viewing somebody else. Mm-hmm. It is the beginning of it all. Like, so and how it's a does long someone, journey. if there's someone out there now, I'm sure there are thinking, okay, this all makes total sense. What would be their next step to help themselves break some of these cycles? So the first thing I would definitely do is, is, is keep a diary of your um if you're struggling with your eating of what you are um eating through i'm not no interest in what you're eating i couldn't care if you're eating 16 donuts Mm. and four sausage rolls right and just notice what were you thinking what were you feeling and what were you hoping for by eating that food just Mm. digging a little bit deeper that is because it's a challenging thing though with getting people that that you must find getting people to write down what they eat they don't write down things because they feel like it might be a negative and they're not writing it down from a space of learning they're writing it down as a place from to monitor themselves and to check in and keep themselves to the schedule rather than absolutely write it down so we can learn yeah and and be more mindful and be not even interested in the food it's not about the food Mm. it's about understanding what drove you to eat the food so in one of my in my second book uh feel good for life what i wrote about was four different types of eating you eat for genuine hunger then you eat for pleasure and joy um just you know sometimes you're in if you're in italy you're gonna eat an ice cream even if you're not hungry and that's fine Mm -hmm. um habit and haze you eat because it's 12 o'clock you eat because the clock says it's that you Mm -hmm. pick and nibble because food is just in front of you a lot at dinner time yeah which is so many people it's that Mm. react it's that kind of um the the grazing habit and then what i call reactive response eating which is essentially you are eating in response to a feeling or emotion um so you've got to just pick apart um which one of those it is it's it's what what is driving you to Mm. um eat there's blogs on my website i'll send you a link through um on those different types of eating behavior um but you know it's it's a slow pro slow process, but it but it works and it can create permanent change. But the first step is non-judgmental awareness. Yeah. And if you can see what it is that you are really doing, then you can think, what could I do? In, then the reprogramming is okay. What could I do instead to feel not lonely? What could I do instead to feel mm-hmm. um, uh, to, to manage those feelings? Um, and then it's there's a whole process that I work people through of reprogramming their habits. And I so, think that's um, a lot of I'm sure this is what you're saying as well, where people go wrong is they're trying to, um, you know, stick to a plan or eat healthier, um, but they're not getting to the root of that feeling of loneliness, for example. So they're trying to sort out their new 
their nutrition, but mm. they haven't found something to replace that those feelings of say say loneliness that food was. So eventually it gets yeah. too much. Yeah. They're lonely. They want that great feeling that they get from food. Yeah. Don't they? Exactly. You can, anyone can fo follow a plan for a couple of weeks or whatever else and keep on track. Right. But the problem is that then you feel you can't maintain it because it hasn't changed the problem areas of your mm. eating. And then you, those problem areas arrive because you get stressed, time gets things, one of your kids gets sick, you catch, catch COVID, whatever. Right. Yeah. And then you can't. And then you're like, oh, I can't maintain this. So at Mission Nutrition, we fight, not fight, but people, you know, email us. We want a meal plan. We're like, no. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, we're um, passionate about that too, because the minute you stop the meal plan, uh, what happens then? You haven't. And I'm like, who am I to tell you you need to eat three quarters of a cup of cottage cheese mm -hmm. and one cracker? Like one day you might need to eat oh half gosh, a cup of cottage cheese what, and two crackers. Yeah, and what's and... put me off those is I eat sometimes double what those yeah, things, things tell you to and eat. Then, oh, and then, and then sometimes you want it you want to eat not very much and mm. um like I'm not eating much at the moment so I'm sick I don't feel like eating yeah you're you've got and exactly your body just doesn't need it and we go through these different phases you know the other thing I work a lot with people is is sort your sleep out like you know if you're not sleeping properly you are in no capacity yeah. to regulate your appetite hormones like your hormones that control your intake of food do not mm -hmm. work properly so mm -hmm. Anyone that's trying to change the way they eat that is sleep deprived um, or has issues with their sleep is going to struggle. So two people like that eat exactly the same amount of food, one who's sleeping an hour less than the other one, the one who's sleeping the hour less will be heavier, mm -hmm. even if they eat the same amount of food. Yeah, right. That's hot mm -hmm. because um, and people that are sleeping less are likely to eat slightly more. So I think it was um, I was reading a study recently that was like, yeah, you know get 90 minutes less exercise and you like to eat an additional 350 calories a day because you are more hungry through having that little you know that much less sleep so um but judgment you know I know the world is telling you to weigh your food and um do keto but don't no, it's not a life it's not a life <laughs> it's not a life it's not a, it, it isn't um and if diets worked why do we still have diets exactly. right you just have one and it'd be sorted and everyone we do will be doing mm -hmm. it so um it's just about it's, it's a journey of se of, of self-exploration mm -hmm. um and really unpicking a lot of these the things that happened to us as children um which remember come off as we talked about before it's all post-war stuff you know in mm -hmm. where there was a feast and famine food was not available 24 7 um we now live in a, in a world of plenty and excess where we celebrate overconsumption. Mm -hmm. um, it's a different world. It's mm. a different world. And uh, but it's we'll... equally as challenging. Like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, yeah. what, what am I doing to fuck up my kids? You know, how am I fucking them up? Because I'm <laughs> I sure think, I, I am in some way. We yeah. all are. We all are. Um, and then, you know, you want to encourage them for good things they do, but you don't want to over. Like I've noticed, I've tried to say to my kids, um, you know, I've tried to downplay an achievement or something and felt them going, but I got this, I got this. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah. do I never yeah. get that? And the other thing that, uh, that I was thinking about when you were talking about yours is your work and mine's sport and, uh, and, and it is work for me as well that make you feel good because that's how you get praise and that's how you get f feel good about yourself. So, and then I think about social media and a photo that I take where I look good yeah gets so much more engagement than a photo where I don't look as good because people 
without realizing it, like things that look good, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like bright colors and shiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, so, we, we've got to remember that that's just a... Yeah, so you know, that's that us, is, that's right? We can, yeah. with what we know, we can get through it. So what about our kids? This is what I just keep coming back to with social media. How are, fucked up are they going to be from it? Oh, my God. Well, I, I, I'm hopeful well that our younger kids will will grow up realizing that how ridiculous it is that we're all glued to our phone and that maybe mm, they don't well, want to do that you know like the drinking daughter says lot, things to drinking. me like yeah. um oh you're as bad as a teenager get off your phone <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm hoping I'm hoping that they're going to go whatever and also there's a lot more there's a lot more access you know blocks and all that kind of stuff coming mm. on phones these yeah I days. feel like the worst generation hit was those that are in their sort of early 20s now because I agree their parents didn't know much about it they didn't grow up with technology there was it was a new thing Mm. to be constant yeah they're sort of like the first ones to have grown up completely with technology I think it's really I mean I I work really hard with my boys to make them aware of their internal dialogue and mm-hmm. other people's dialogue and that can extend to social media really it's the fact that the you know that the the way that people think and feel about you and you know that that that, that stick man you know mm-hmm. thought bubble thing is is kind of like going social media is doesn't necessarily relate to you know who you are as a person um I'm going to show that to my kids I think it'd be really useful if the day that this podcast launches if you could even do a post or a story with the stick bubble picture. yeah 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 I'll do my stick bubble I will absolutely do that so um, it'll be Sunday not this Sunday next Sunday that it launches yeah. um yeah I'll absolutely do that um my stick bubble um yeah, that's that's it's, it's a difficult thing to navigate with children, but them just having some awareness that um, that what to distance themselves, be aware of their feelings. I think this is coming up. You know, schools are doing this a lot better than gosh when we had when you just mm-hmm. you know emo- emotions and feelings are nothing, but just being mindful that what other people say isn't real. What other people, whether it's to your face or on the on the computer, like it's just. Um, the other thing I teach both of my boys is that is is you know what other people think of you whether it's positive or you know you've got to be you've got to take that with a pinch of salt and not necessarily make it mean something about you Mm -hmm. I guess it's the most important thing is having a good sense of self you know a good sense of self and also not being scared about the bad things that you think as well as the good things that we were saying before trying to not get rid of those things in ourselves they are there and that's fine we are Mm -hmm. um you know, we're not all good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just got to try our best. I mean, I just tell my boys that all the time. I'm yeah. like, you know, I try my best, actually. Um, yeah, I've also, it, loved that one. Yeah. My, my, my mum always boys, drilled that into me. Just do your best, do your best. Do your best. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my boys, particularly Zach, because he was picked on when he first started school. Um, you know, I actually remember sharing my story with him. And I said, you know, my, my love, I, you know, I... I I had no friends at school and people laughed at me and threw things at me and did whatever else. And he was like, really? Mm. And we had this really like, you know, and, I, and a really deep conversation about it. And he was, he actually got a lot better off the back of that, of um, going like, oh, I'm not the only one because you yeah. think you're the only one in that mm-hmm. situation. And it's the same. I've talked to a lot of parents because I've had dyslexia, you know, 
not had dyslexia, if I'd gone through the education system with dyslexia, my brother, literally, his name is Luke, he almost can't write his own name now. He is um, three, three years younger than me, so he's 37. Um, he can't really read. He can't do, um, he can't, you know, like he couldn't sign his name on the back of a credit card. But my mum got him into a special dyslexic school in the UK, fought the education system, whatever else. He's now got a scholarship to university and went to Airbus and did amazing things because he was supported in that right space. He was diagnosed with clinical depression at the age of seven um, mm. because he was completely got zero at school. Zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like, what is this child that does? And they were like, his school report And they said, potentially maybe never come across it before. Yeah. Back then. No personable child such a shame he's been dealt a dud brain that was his um that was his thing right crazy but we with the right support and the right conversations you know anything is possible for anybody and actually Mm -hmm. the the diversity of us as human beings we're all different and I I think that's that's one thing I absolutely point out to my boys I'm like how would this world how right whenever whenever there's like um I don't know a building site or we we walk past a school or whatever I'm like see all the different kinds of people that need to be here to make that work like you need you need the teacher that's in the classroom you need somebody that's like um organizing the sports field there's a sporty person there I'm like I'm not naturally sporty but um I terrible at team sports because I hate conflict and confrontation I'm dreadful but I'm like you need those people to do that and then you need the person that's going to be doing these other different pieces and everybody has a place and we can all bring our best selves forward um and accepting that we all have something to give and to bring um if nothing but you know it's it, it's not it's we just I think I think the world is changing and, and accepting that a little bit more but it, certainly when you and I grew up it was like this is the definition of what success looks it's like mm-hmm. and you know our parents you know it was like choose my mum was like you just basically have to choose if you're going to be a nurse a mm. secretary or a teacher you know yeah. or a teacher like what do you want to do yeah. one two mm-hmm. three and then mm-hmm. we had like 10 choices and now everyone's mm-hmm. gone Wah! you know yeah. who, who even knows if your job is going to exist when you're older but yeah keeping ourselves keeping yourself well mm-hmm. is one of the best things you can do for your children as well because um you know they are little spongy sponges yeah and like um, we were talking about before they're just picking up things that yeah. we're not even meaning for them to pick up yeah exactly so um, and that doesn't mean we have to be perfect we mm-hmm. are all gonna fuck up our children in some way a friend yeah. of mine is a psychologist and she's like she said <laughs> people just gotta stop trying to think they can stop fucking up their children like everyone in some way mm-hmm. is gonna where if you're too nice to your child you're fucking yeah up. yeah if you tie you're your shoelaces them for them so like work with whatever. them on it and give them the tools to um be able to work through what you've fucked yeah. them up with so yeah. like and, you're and saying actually, the tools to be able to look at themselves from the outside in and analyze yeah. things and talk about things when they don't feel good adversity is what makes us grow we are mm. actually designed well, that's what our species. podcast is based on yeah and what i find just so miraculous about it and what um, I feel so lucky to be hearing all these amazing stories from people is I choose people to talk to based on what they've achieved, not on their challenges. Mm-hmm. And yet every person comes to the podcast with yeah, like an incredible I, story of adversity and crazy things that they've yeah. had to overcome in their life. And I think the fact is, everybody has a story Mm. everybody has something really really difficult and and challenging and even you know I've got a I've got a friend in the UK 
who, you know, whose parents are millionaires and they had this massive house and they went like skiing in France every year and had all this shit. She is so screwed up from that. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, she they were never there. They were mm. never there. And money was the thing that she was given. She had free access. They could go to the chalet and go whatever else, whatever mm-hmm. else. She's one of the most dysfunctional people I know. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, so, you know, whereas I've got friends that were brought up with absolutely nothing and lived on the bones of their bums and 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 the adversity that they have, you know, and things, yeah. exactly. And but, you know, it's just. We, we, there's always going to be something there's always going to be a story and we're mm. designed as human beings to overcome challenges when we used mm. to live outside and fight for our lives on a daily basis it, it's not about I do think people are like oh well when I get here I'll be happy when I get here mm. I'll be happy when I when I overcome this thing I'll be happy like not at all that's why I'm studying positive psychology at the moment like it's not it not at all it's about the fact that you will always have challenges some bigger mm. some smaller the journey of life is about the way that you navigate those. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, luckily some people get, have more support and I appreciate that it's really difficult if you've not had anyone around you who can support you. But I mean, that's what you and I are here to do, Kate, isn't it? Exactly, right? I mean, exactly. For all those people listening, if you've been through stuff and feel like you are not, you know, no one has listened to you before. That's what we want to help you do. Um, and feel like you've got a, you've got a space and that you, that we we get it we understand and it's yeah. okay to feel like and it's normal you don't, to you don't like know that. I mean that's a big thing about what I've learned where I I guess I founded my business on is letting people know that they're normal mm. and totally. those feelings and thoughts and not wanting to exercise or not feeling like exercising or whatever what whatever know, it is it's normal People think that, you know, like I just get up every day and I remind me, I'm so excited about eating salad. (laughs) Some salads are so good though, but not the ones I make. (laughs) (laughs) You do well. But, you know, it's not, we we are normal people that have just just been fortunate enough to come across the right school skills and strategies to help ourselves keep on um, a a relatively uh, healthy path most of the time. Mm. But we eat chips we drink margaritas um and um but it's 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 really the challenge is when you it's that sabotage when you're not you're not eating right or you're not right but you're not eating you know food that makes you feel good and you're avoiding exercise what is underneath that you know um and then that's where that's where the magic is where you where you can rip yourself apart and then see yourself uh with compassion mm-hmm. and understand you are human and you are not meant to be perfect um and then consciously make choices to to work on that and um you know it's one step at a time not running up the whole ladder yeah that's amazing advice um i've just got a few wee fun questions and then we're going to yes. finish up because i've got a spray tan soon <laughs> <laughs> magic spray tan yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just, don't want, just don't, don't covering me. a whole lot of issues up with a bit of. Um... <laughs> you know, if it makes you feel better, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, favorite food? Oh goodness! Oh god! What first what comes to mind? Because probably got a, I've got about ten too. So. Oh, what I love nachos! Like, oh my I love gosh, good... it's, it's mine too. <laughs> good nachos. I was thinking in my head. Oh my gosh, that's a hard question. What would I say? I would say nachos. <laughs> Yeah. nachos and if it and creme brulee if it was like um a, a sweet thing a sweet thing but not na- nachos with a good guacamole mm. oh yeah and yeah. sour cream yeah and oh. yeah 
delicious. Oh, I'm all yum. In. Yeah. Next time you come to Queenstown, let's go out for nachos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah. I'm a bit hungry now because it just <laughs> sounds like heaven. Um, oh. Favorite way to exercise? Um, I'm probably now probably hiking or like a really good walk. Yeah, outside, awesome. outside. Yeah, it's so good for your mental health. Exercise in general, and it, I mean studies. It's a, it's a thing. But just yeah. getting out in the fresh air and nature, oh, it's so nice. And it's that feeling of freedom too, especially if you're a mum or whatever. Yeah. Getting out as you feel free. And it's, uh, yeah, the big out, the great outdoors. Anything <laughs> great outdoors. Yeah, I'm all good. Um, Favourite dedicate workout? Um, I like the, like one specific one. Oh, no, uh, not one. So it's a favourite type. Like, you know how there's different, like there's Ignite and yeah, Sculpt it, and Power Sessions. Ign- ignite. Um, ignite and boxing. I, yes. Um, oh yeah. 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 And more and of, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like. That's my. They're all good, Kate. They're all good. Oh, they are. But, but there's but, ones you do that you just. But it, actually, I go through stages where particular ones are my faves. Yeah. If I had to choose, yeah, it's I love sculpt, ignite, and box hit. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but like I asked you, but, but I had to say that. No, no, we're, 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 we're the same on the nachos thing. But then, you know, then doing some, sometimes you feel like doing yoga. And this is what's so mm. great about what and you Pilates do. Is the fact that so underrated. Oh, my goodness. Is that if you feel like you can't get, and this is what I feel like sometimes, like I can't get my, myself out of bed and do some boxing because I'm just not in the mood. Mm. Um, you know, well, then a yoga is what I'm going to do. But if I feel like I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so angry and I need to get some, you know, yeah. out, then yeah. it's something a bit more intense. And that's um, the value because we, we feel like doing different things on different days. Exactly. Right? So, um, something yeah. that um, helps me, especially during holiday seasons, is, you know, when you start getting that sort of lethargic and it happens when you haven't exercised for a while or go a few days without exercising and it's harder to get yourself into it when you haven't been doing it is to go for a walk even if it's just a five to ten minute walk and that gets the endorphins going and you start feeling good and then you feel more like doing a workout absolutely that's such good that's such a good tip um because just get started right it's that whole thing do do something for five minutes and then see if you can carry on but you're right perking up and yeah Sometimes you know, like 20 minutes feels. even feels too much. Do you remember when you and I didn't have children? We used to go and exercise for like 90 minutes. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And think like, oh, five times a week. And I was like, why can't people do this? Um, <laughs> how ridiculous. Now yeah. I'm like 10 minutes far oh, out. No. Sometimes I cut it short and it's fun. Yeah. You need to do. Yeah. Um, but the amazing thing that I find is um, if you prioritize that time, that 20 minutes or, or 30 minutes, you actually achieve more in your day than you do if you don't. Fully. Mm-hmm. fully and that and that's this is the and, and when the thing that we you know is so important about exercise for um so many aspects of your mm-hmm. health but I, it, it, you definitely get more than 20 minutes back you know that's that that's yes. that's the way i i'm great way to I'm think a, of it i'm a it? i'm a productivity person to the yeah. that's my core beliefs mm-hmm. put 20 minutes in get 25 minutes out that's yes, good i love that <laughs> and a bit well, of happiness as well exactly um, cocktail or champagne Oh my goodness, probably cocktail. Both combined? No, okay, cocktail. No, no, no. Cocktails. The, yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Coffee or tea? <laughs> tea, a hundred percent. Morning or night? Just random. Morning, 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 morning. morning all Soccer the way. or rugby or football or rugby? I like watching rugby more than I like watching football. Interesting, uh, yeah. yeah, no, probably, More probably happens. Rugby. The hard yeah. thing about footballs, I call it football because I did live in London for a bit. Um, yeah. is 
there's not enough goals. It's not exciting enough. Like they know yeah, so many goals. I definitely don't watch. Um, my kids play soccer, but that's because it's they're just starting out. But mm. rugby's more rugby's more exciting, and especially when I come from netball basketball background. And you go to yeah. watch soccer, and you're like, "Where are all the points? What's going on?" So what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Food or fitness? Oh God, both. Probably fitness. I, I, oh, yeah, I no. thought you were going to say food because you were. You've, I've, I've done it for so long. It feels like fitness just feels more like oh. it's more oh. exciting. Yeah. Um, smoothie or cooked breakfast? Cooked breakfast. Healthy version, though. I'm not bacon. Well, I do like bacon, but I don't like sausages. Okay, yeah. yeah. If, I'm, if I'm envisioning my version of a cooked breakfast, yeah. Yeah. Um, apple or Samsung? Apple. Soup or salad? Salad, probably. G-string or, like, boy leg? A boy leg. Don't do No <laughs> way. I, like, I literally been, I used to wear them because, like, you wear them with your athletic gear and now yeah. like, that is you know what you can get really good ones that have got seamless i'm never oh, wearing yeah. one of those ever again <laughs> yeah never gone um like baggyish jeans like boyfriend style jeans or yeah straight league like skinny jeans boyfriend style okay. netflix yeah. or neon netflix lip gloss or lipstick lip gloss <laughs> such an easy question <laughs> <laughs> tv or radio uh tv queenstown or auckland oh my god Kate, you put me on the spot queenstown ah did i just say that yeah there you go <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> um now one last question your skin is just so amazing like oh thanks 40 in a few weeks don't look it i mean and i'm just careful about these compliments because yeah well, it's, 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 uh, it's, but, it's the work yeah yeah having a beautiful skin is a nice thing that a lot of us want so I just want to get some insight into I mean obviously it's a lot of some people are born with good skin some people aren't what you eat has a massive impact on your skin but what else so you, the thing is for me I was not born with good skin you should see my like my mum has not got I have we have got horrific eczema in our family so I used to use steroid cream on my face mm -hmm. um and I had awful awful skin um and then i moved sounds, house sounds like a whole new podcast just about i know <laughs> um, i i am um, i had absolutely dreadful skin um and then i moved to rainwater um i moved to a house that just happened to have tank water and my skin got a hundred percent better so one thing i realize now is that chlorine and my skin are not my friends mm -hmm. um so if i didn't uh, it just was terrible for my skin. I reacted to it. So if you've got really reactive skin, I always encourage people to uh, get like a chlorine filter on anything mm -hmm. you're washing your face with and just see if it makes a difference if you've got eczema. Yeah. Um, I have come off all of my steroid cream for doing that. Um, and then it's Environ. And I, I have, an, I don't, I'm not paid by Environ. I use Environ skincare. Um, it is not cheap, but it lasts for ages because you put like a tiny little drop on it and it's using vitamin A. I've used, mm -hmm. I've used Environ for eight years and it is absolutely completely changed my skin wow. and that's that's all that I do and I, I use a roller which kind of put which I used after a year which puts little dots in your face that makes like, increases the products yeah but that, that's okay. literally it so good quality skincare because I don't um, do any skincare it's so bad and sunscreen all year round, yeah. summer, winter, everything. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I wear sunscreen every single day. So ever since I started using Environ eight years ago, I started using sunscreen every day, and I've not got any more wrinkles than I did eight. Well, a few more, but like a lot less because I've of sunscreen in winter. Okay, 
every day. But yeah, yeah, every single day, whether I'm in North South Island, whether it's, you know, appears absolutely freezing mm-hmm. cold, I will absolutely put sunscreen on my mm-hmm. face day in. Yeah, not okay, a day goes by. Hey, thank you so much, Claire. One for just, I really value our working relationship and our friendship as well. It's given me like a real buzz and it's really fun to be working together. Same. Um, good. Um, and also for sharing your story and for being so vulnerable and for helping so many people. Um, but yeah, thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me and I hope all goes well with your spray tan. <laughs> oh, it will. It will. <laughs> thanks awesome. so much and um, we will be in touch. Yeah, take care. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening to the Dedicate podcast. I really, really appreciate your support. If you enjoy our podcast, pretty please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when new episodes launch. If you enjoyed this episode, there are plenty of others you'll enjoy as well. It's mind-blowing how many people in the health and wellness sector have struggled with an eating disorder, but have gone on to achieve great things. Our very first episode with Dedicate's head trainer, Anna McDermott, from Anorexia to Motivating Thousands. Also in season one, two raw sisters, overtraining, eating disorders, chronic fatigue, what rock bottom taught us. From season three, with our boxing and strength trainer, Caro Patterson, my experience with overtraining and undernourishing, and another of our fantastic trainers, Camille McClymont, my life, the remote Aussie outback, anorexia and anxiety. Dedicate is the online trans-Tasman community and app for rural women, mums, and those who love a down-to-earth approach to fitness. Come and work out with me and our other trainers located throughout New Zealand and Australia. We're all mums and we're all doing our best to balance life and exercise. We are on this journey with you. We have everything from HIT to weights, yoga and Pilates and boxing. Our workouts are short and effective so you can fit them in and we focus on long-term success and consistency, not dieting or quick fixes. Give it a go with your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com. See you there.